As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Ad News Podcast. I'm sitting here in Can Lion with Lucy Jameson and Niels Leonard from Grey London. Um, later this week, uh, Niels, you're on stage with Iggy Pop, um, the godfather of punk, so that's a good place to start. So why, why Iggy and how did that come about and what are you going to talk to him about? Yeah, Grey have a history of these music seminars um, and they, they've been you know, pretty good by and large, but I think the interesting thing about them is when they really, really chime with the crowd. And actually, a lot of the time, people can interview people here at the celebrities, and they just miss the fact that there's all of us wanting something relevant to take away. So we wanted to try and do that. I think, um, you know, you've watched diversity make a rise in, in our industry, but I think age is, is the next uh, issue to tackle, I think, and it's really it interesting. It's always focused on sort of the gender issue, yeah. which is a huge one, but there's all kinds of other diversity that doesn't yeah. really even get talked about yet. Yeah, well, I think we've all just gone on a learning as well, haven't we? You know, chasing people that we think are going to change our industry and have gone to youth, and I think absolutely... That's important. But I think there's so many people who've seen so much change already and have so much to offer. And in our industry, the crazy thing is you're old at 45. And it's like well, pretty percent of the UK yeah. industry is over 45. Yeah. So okay. it's quite terrifying yeah. It's statistic. probably even less than that in Australia. Yeah, Australia's right. a very really? young market. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So it's terrifying. And I don't think we all go off like the elves to a different country in Lord of the Rings. If you look at Iggy, guy's almost 70, just had a US number one album, just recorded with Josh Homme, the guy from the Arctic Monkeys, pretty much two of the coolest people on the planet. You know, without paying them, like a weird producer, they've drawn to him. And I think that talent and how he rolls, and, and I think really the ferocity with which he still contributes to culture is inspiring. So I'm hoping that people will take that from it. Of course, I could just get mercilessly pulled apart on stage by a very wise man. <laughs> We're all looking forward to Nils asking how Iggy is still alive. <laughs> I'm pretty interested in the answer because um, it seems to be defying, uh, defying all logic there. That's it. That was kind of the subject of the poem, really, which was having, having him uh, contribute to that, reading Dylan Thomas's Rage Against the Dying Alive was pretty much yeah. that's what it was about. So, I mean, that, that's a very kind of ragey and angry sort of poem, and the video that's kind of come about for that is, is quite sort of atmospheric. So... Is that that kind of rage and that kind of um, passion, I guess, isn't something that you see an awful lot of in the industry at the moment? I mean, do you think that that's something that's sort of missing? Yeah, or? I do. I think it's a key to change. I think that that frustration and that anger at the way things are is what moves things on. We've always talked about that at Great London, but for sure, I think unless you have a bit of that ferocity, my take on it is that you really won't push things forward as fast as they can. And I think that Iggy living the way he does. Someone said to me yesterday he has very young values in a very old body. The idea that these things are attached to youth, 
which I think is really, really interesting. But, um, you know, I think our industry needs more of that. I think it's very comfortable and a bit fat. Uh, and it needs to go at itself a bit. So, yeah, I think it is missing. Do you think you see enough of that, either of you, from, from what's here at Can? I mean, Can gets bigger every year. There's a lot of interesting stuff on the programme. There's a lot of stuff that you kind of think, oh, why, why is that relevant to this audience? What's, what's its purpose? Do you think that there's enough of that really kind of boundary-pushing stuff? Or I think it's all quite polite, actually. I mean, because I think it isn't, you know, everyone's going to say it, but it is a big kind of money-making machine, and you want to have stuff that appeals to everybody. And that sort of tends to take the rough edges off stuff. Um, and that's, that makes it more boring. So, I don't know. I don't think there is. I think there's more crazy stuff going on at some of the other, th- other festivals, honestly. We've always laughed about we should go to Burning Man and go and do some other stuff like that instead. So, I kind of think that would be quite interesting. Because um, it does feel a bit formulaic now. Yeah. It's just got bigger and bigger. And I think more it's and hard. More. I think it's like an industry that's been given permission to sort of massage itself. Somewhere in the middle, there is some good stuff. Yeah. And there are some people trying to show you things that you've never seen before. And, you know, there is a bit of that, but it's so lost in the scale. That's the hard thing. So you have to come really wanting to find something. Yeah. Otherwise, it's very easy to spend five days wondering what the fuck we're all doing. In the I mean, think increasingly, load people we know actually, you do back to back meetings and you don't really even get to see anything much at the palais that would be all the baby creatives who go and see that I think one thing actually the one thing that Ken does have which I don't think we use enough is it actually really draws clients right Mm. so so it's the one festival you're probably sat with the majority of the world's largest and most important brands and still you somehow feel like we're not taking full advantage of that and you know but you know if you talk about that collision of people and the creativity and all these minds that are here It does feel like it's hitting this still to tell towards yeah. what you can get out of it. And It'd be nice to inspire them to kind of go, yeah. what else yeah. could we be doing? And I'm not sure I'm not sure that really is truth of actually finding finding the space to do something really different that is actually something people care about mm. and some, something people in the real world wouldn't find annoying. I mean, we were all talking about the terrorist threat. Yeah, they um, up security this year. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that seems like a really well, we were hard to believe kind of thing. Well, we were all sort of saying, isn't it weird? I just think the rest of the world wouldn't care if we all got blown up. They'd probably be yeah. quite happy. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be quite nice to work in an industry where people didn't feel like that about it. That's true. I mean, that's so, quite a damning, damning kind of thing to say. If, Sorry. If, you know, if, um, <laughs> blow just us all for, up. for anyone listening, there, there's sort of increased security at Cannes this year because of some, some reports of um, terrorist threats and, and bomb threats, which is a really serious um, thing to happen. And to kind of feel like would anyone, you know, would anyone be upset or would anyone really be that bothered if the advertising industry mm. was targeted is quite a damning mm. thing on an industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, there's another boring stat. I will always know the stats, he won't. Um, <laughs> uh, that in the kind of early 90s, uh, over 30% of people in the UK preferred the ads to the programmes that they were around, and now that's around 2%. Mm. And you just kind of go, I mean, part of it, I'm sure, is because there's more ads and shitter ads and better telly. Better telly. Yeah. But it's a that's kind true. of double whammy. Yeah, that's an interesting it's, stat. Yeah, it's just a bit scary. A client once asked me a question, which is, how do we go from being a company that sells stuff to people to being a company that people want to exist? which I thought was an amazing question. I'll tell you what, it's a really good question if you ask it as an ad agency. Mm. Because you just go, hang on a minute, we are like these weird, behind-the-scenes, perverted advisors whispering in our clients' ears. And I don't, I just, you know, there is an opportunity for us to be known in the, in the, in the wider world for what we do. 
Mm. Um, so you're right, Lucy's completely right, which is, you know, they'd all, first of all, they'd say, who got blown up? And then they'd say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. it. And it, so it's kind of frustrating. And I think the opportunity is there, though, isn't it? For, I mean, you know, yes, to get more about our clients and move them on and educate them, but actually just as agencies, I think we should have a bit more pride and, and zest for it all. Yeah, I guess it's pride and kind of purpose, isn't it? Mm. And it's kind of... Th- purpose but not a kind of forced sort of you know charity yeah. angle but having yeah. a real purpose as to yeah. what your what your brand and your business stands for and I think that's um it's that sort of long termism that yeah. I think is maybe not yeah. not as kind of not as highly regarded as perhaps it used to be but yeah. I mean, is, is that something that you kind of deal with your kind of current clients with a lot I mean how are you kind of approaching that with who you work for What's the question? and how they how they make their brands brands that people care about or have a purpose that stands for something that's more than just throwing an ad on telly uh, God it's the constant question isn't it I mean I was speaking to a a few clients yesterday about it and I think the truth is you have to put things into the world that actually contribute and it's not a choice between advertising and that you have to do it all Um, I think there is a bit of an opportunity because I feel like we are going through a bit of a sea change you've got all the stuff like ad blockers all of the kind of different things going on which mean it's never been easier to ignore or avoid advertising so I do think we've got an opportunity to say to clients you've got to do things differently and now is the time you've got to start doing it you can't wait any longer just to bore people with sort of you know telling them stuff about your product that they don't want to know Um, so I feel like that that's an opportunity and we've got to seize it so we do talk a lot to clients when they come in the door about Right, what's your ambition? What's not just your commercial ambition, but what's your cultural ambition? What are you going to do in culture that means people pay attention, take notice? So from the very first time somebody walks in the agency, they will get that spiel, and they will get it relentlessly. And sometimes it sticks. (laughs) Do clients get that, or is it... Yes, they do. There's quite a lot of evidence that it's true. So I think clients share our panic. There's a quote on the wall at our place, which is the woods are burning from death of a salesman. No, but it, it really what we're referring to is the state of the landscape and how people feel about advertising. Um, so I think there is a shared sense of slight panic that our clients have. The best ones tend to have it. Um, it's what we do about it, I think, that's the hard thing. Um, and I think the clients realise it as well, which is a weird and noble thing, that they can put things in the world people might actually like and want outside of their products is, uh, is a revelation still. Yeah, mm. and so last year Gray had a pretty good year at Cannes um, in terms of the awards. <laughs> we have to talk about so this. We do. Yeah. We have to touch so this on it. Year. We are here in Cannes. <laughs> so, what my question isn't really what's happening this year. My question is what was the impact that yeah. that had on the agency um, from last year, and how that that kind of recognition for some of that work and what you've been doing kind of drives you forward and, and impacts what yeah. you've been doing over the last twelve months. I mean, I guess for us, it does come back to that quote a bit. You sort of go, okay, Grey always had that feeling of being a bit of an underdog agency. It was never kind of, you know, top tier historically. And now we kind of feel like we are. So we've got to figure out what the next battle is. And we've set ourselves up um, actually to go after, and we've talked really publicly about it. We want to go after people like IDEO, Thomas Heatherwick, whoever it might be, Pixar, people who actually are doing interesting stuff beyond our industry. And we've also set ourselves the big kind of goal of, if possible, 40% of our um, revenue coming from sources other than payment by hours, which is super difficult. 
but it is kind of going, right, okay, the model's got to change, we've got to do things differently. So yeah. for us, in a way, it was sort of like, okay, we've, we've done that, what's next? Because if you're just going after, let's repeat it again. Well, we, went, really we, we sort of talked about <laughs> ambition, and I think a lot of agencies can make trophies or awards their, their year's ambition or whatever when they have their company meetings. What was interesting to us was we, we had a great year, but we almost ticked every box, so we won the IPA, DNAD, we were on Contagious's most, you know, sort of... Yeah, the Eurof is. And I think it was really, really interesting to the point where we were contending, and we stopped and we said to ourselves, okay, what's the next benchmark? And the reason we're talking about people like Heatherwick or Channel 4 is the next benchmark, I think, are the briefs, right? Not the awards, they're a byproduct. So we want to do the Champions League opening ceremony. We want to do the Olympic torch. We want to do... Uh, the US electric campaign, you know, and I kind of sat going, those things, if you can end up in that conversation, that's the sign of having actually moved on. That's uh, really kind of elevating yeah. beyond yeah. advertising. But yeah. what you're talking about in terms of um, remuneration is hugely sort of um, interesting for everyone because everyone's trying to figure out how you get paid because yeah. margins are squeezed everywhere. Yes. There's just there's just less ways to make profit yeah. in yeah. in the old fashioned way. How, how do you go about doing that? Because it's a difficult thing to, to try and put in place and how do you change that relationship you have with clients and how do yeah. you contractually all of, figure that yeah. out? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, a lot of our learnings have come out of Volvo Life Paint because we are now, uh, we now have a licensing deal with Albedo, who's the Swedish startup who we kind of work with to get that product off the ground. And so we, we get a pound for every, um, for every can of life paint now. Didn't start out that way. Yeah. Uh, it completely didn't. So let's be kind of clear about that. But what it has done is made us see, okay, if we can figure out a way of licensing or some kind of deals that actually will work in a different way, that we actually get paid in the long term for it's our about, ideas um, and thinking. It's about creative commerciality. So there's a guy in that case study who goes, "Have you ever seen your idea become a million dollar seller?" And I sat and was looking at that and biting my fucking lip. Like, well, it hasn't, has it? <laughs> and I mean, it was famous, and we sort of learned from that. And I think the problem is that agencies are either dealing currently in the fiction that is IP, still thinking they're going to sit in a room and jam on a product that the world doesn't need, or lost in getting paid for our time. And there's a whole thing in the middle, if you look at the entertainment industry or the publishing industry, about how you get paid from licensing to publishing. And we are just not empowered enough to have those conversations. And the last thing to add to that is I think that there is a temptation in our industry to move towards theory. That the real money lies in advising and being theorists. And I think it lies in making and owning, which can feel the opposite. So the more you own, the more you have actually created something as opposed to farmed it out, the more likely you are to actually get paid in a different way. Because you've put something into the world that is yours mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to something. And I guess that's more a mindset thing and then it is a creative kind of capability yeah. thing because the, the industry is always kind of have no, ideas I, I disagree. it's basic I okay. well I disagree with that because I think that the temptation is creative as well the first thing an agency says whenever it comes up with an idea is who should we get to do this for us and it's a production company or it's a tech company or it's a whatever and I think we reach out and we do that and it makes us dependent and until it's a creative thing so I think the best people in our place are learning constantly they can edit they can yeah, code they can, they can code. build you know, they, there's a team at our place that turned and showed me something in a review which wasn't just a film with an idea that they might make. It had a rendered end frame with a logo that was spinning around. And I just thought to myself, this, this is incredible. Because this team don't need anybody else. And if the whole agency is buzzing like that, that would be a very powerful place to be. Mm. Yeah. But I think it is that thing where we're just constantly... I mean, every time we win a new client, we look at what the contract... And we're not there by any means. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. But we do look at the contract. Can we get away from signing away our IP? What can we put in? Can we use the IPA contract? Can we kind of create some wiggle room in there for ourselves? Um, And... We're not always going to get it right, but at least every time we're now going in really consciously yeah. with Eyes that open as, about the, yeah. the possibility. Yeah, because I yeah. think that's that's the thing as well. Because what's being produced and, and sort of developed is so different from what it used to be. The old contracts just don't, yeah. no, don't, they don't cover work. it anymore. They we don't just work. have to be more brazen as well. I think we put the gloves on as an industry, and we're scared to have these conversations, and we've forgotten that what we do is precious and, and can matter. And I don't know. You know, the important thing to say is some of this doesn't market to clients. Okay, because they love it like it is. Some of them, you know, they get to yeah. pay us for our time. They get whatever they get. They had a zero to their year. Uh, I think it markets the talent for sure. But the thing to say about the client relationship is, if we get it right, we share risk. Yeah. So you know, some of those things mean that we hop into bed with them and we say, right, we're going to go at this together. And if it fails, we both fail, as opposed to they've invested in something and walk away. So it's not all, you know, it's not all upside for the agencies. Yeah, that's true. It's um, ever evolving. Ever evolving. So we are um, obviously in Cannes. We've talked a little bit about the, the kind of awards and your, your presentation next week, but we talked about um, sort of the, the things that are here and whether that sort of inspiration is still here. Um, the other thing I want to talk about that is the, the whole ad tech um, industry that's kind of grown up here. I mean, the whole every, every kind of sponsor seems to be um, seems to be technology, and that's just the wholesale change from how Cannes originally was. Um, what are your kind of views on the role that ad tech plays here? And whether it, it's a, a kind of a force for good and a reflection of where the industry's going, or if actually it's a, it's a kind of dilution of what it should be about and a, a distraction. Mm. Question, please. Well, I mean, te- there's no doubt I think technology is amazing <coughs> and what we can do with it and what we're already doing. Some crazy stuff we're looking at, really interesting things with our uh, head of creative tech, things we'd have never done before. Stuff, little things like silly virtual kittens for McVitie's, fun stuff, more serious stuff for some things we're looking at at the Science Museum. So I kind of, I love the fact that technology can be really, really creative. What I'm not so in love with is that I feel the ad tech presence isn't really talking about that side of the business. A lot of it is just the kind of race to the bottom in terms of how can we make things more efficient, kind of how can we serve more automated stuff how can we treat everything like (coughs) mail direct response and for me that's a bit depressing Um, so I would like to see not just the kind of ad tech in that sort of side of things which is I feel where most of the current conversation at Cannes is but 
the incredible things we can do with technology that are super, super creative. And I haven't seen as much of that from those guys um, this you week. Follow the money, and then you ask questions of it. You know, and you ask questions about why they're the ones sponsoring everything here at the show, uh, and it's revealing. And I think the the thing to remember about it, or the scary thing, I think, is while you know some of the, the stuff we can do with tech is inspiring. You're absolutely right. The majority of those companies aren't in it for that reason, and therefore don't market to the talent. And I think actually, first and foremost, this is a festival about creative talent. The people that come here want to be inspired and want to win. And I think that the scary thing is, if it goes that way more and more and more, ultimately people will switch off. I think it is definitely, those guys are here spending loads of money so that they get access to clients that yeah. don't care about no. you guys. No, they don't. Yeah. Mm, so, yeah. so that, you know, it's kind of, it's, um, it's almost how do you turn the, how do you turn the top, turn the clock back or wind that back and kind of get back to what it should or be about. flip it. I mean, I don't think it is about going back because no. I think technology is incredible. But how do we get discussions about what it could do, not just about... Honestly, I think creativity wins. I think you can, yeah. you know, I think it's like anything, you know, like in football, money came in and then the football came in and then ultimately sport wins. I think the same is true here. Creativity is mm-hmm. going to win out. All right, people, that's what people want. That's the magic. That's the thing they'll pay a premium for. And it will swing around. You know, tech will play a part in the right way and the wrong way, but I, I'm an optimist. I think yeah. people will follow talent and creativity and the magic and those guys will learn to get out of the way or help. And so from the, from the kind of the, the programme on this week, um, at either Can Lions or Can Entertainment or Can Innovation, what are the kind of things that, that sort of pique your interest that you think actually do capture that sort of creativity and, and real inspiration that you're kind of looking for? Uh, I, I just go back to, I go back to the academies really every time. I mean, I think that's where you see the really, really interesting stuff. I mean, I love watching social right now. Like, I... I I'm uh, putting out almost 10 to 15 like sort of semi-fires a day caused by like students or kids or people just wanting to make stuff happen. So great little groups on Twitter or surveys that they put together. I mean, and they're behaving like publishers. They're behaving like you guys. And they don't give a shit about the programme or the speakers on. And I kind of quite like that in a way. You know, and they're just trying to basically make this week work for them. Uh, and you're seeing a load of stuff there. I think every time the Youth Academies tend to uh, put out something of interest and, and raise sort of interesting issues. Um, I think there's a few things flying around that are of interest, but that's what always makes me really excited, is just the behaviours of people using the festival for their own means, you know, particularly creatives. I love that mm-hmm. sort of taking over. Yeah. Lucy, what's your uh, highlights or sort of things that you think are interesting? <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of going, <laughs> I don't know. Um, there, there's a lot on the oh, programme, to be honest. There is, there's so much on the programme. I think that's the thing that I'm I find the conscious. most frustrating is kind of there's so much on. And you can't so possibly much, see all of it. You can't see all of it, and you have to mm. constantly make these decisions yeah. about what to miss. And it's always hit or miss with, with any kind of conference or any kind of event that you go to. The things that might sound really good might yeah, be yeah, flat, yeah. and the things They're that sort of you not, just stumble across yeah. turn out to be the most interesting kind of strange thing from the Netherlands that you've never yeah. heard of before. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of yeah. part of the appeal, I guess. But it, it does is. make it difficult. It is. It's harder. I mean, I think it's harder for me in my role that mm. I end up just. Mm. Um, largely with clients um, and a lot of it is client, client lunches, client dinners client, kind of whatever mm. and actually really just don't even I looked at my calendar and went I've got about an hour free to go to the festival, whoopee <laughs> so so I have to admit I haven't even spent that much time looking at it because yeah. I'm kind of like there's, okay, some, there's some interesting stuff at the festival I think. Yeah. I think the other thing is you are every year Holding a breath, hoping for a piece of work that's going to redefine oh, the yeah. industry. Yeah, 
and so I love the Swedish number thing. That's excellent. But, you know, and they got a Grand Prix yes, last night, yeah. Right. yeah. That's the right shape of work. It's the right relationship in the world. And I kind of look at that and go, hopefully that's going to open everyone's eyes in the way that great work in the past has done. Yeah, great. And it's moved the industry. And so I think that whether you turn up at the, some of the seminars or not, that sense of, of everyone hoping for a piece of work that's going to move us on is always evident. Are there any other sort of things from the from the last couple of months, the last year, that you think will will kind of that, that have that that have that kind of game changing sort of really inspirational um, magic? Uh, so that's definitely the piece from from our side that I think we've all spent more time talking about, more time being envious of. <laughs> well, that's that's it, right? It's always kind of else. it's work that um, that you yeah. wish you'd made or ideas that you wish Absolutely. you'd come up with that kind of. I was talking to someone last night about TV, right? And yeah. uh, I think it is, we, we love different shapes of work. It's what we're known for at our place. But there hasn't been a game-changing telly ad in the way that I think Sony Balls didn't have a narrative, right? You remember when that dropped? Everyone was like, what the fuck is this? It's an it ad. It doesn't, doesn't have a story. It doesn't have characters. It doesn't have any of that stuff mm. we're supposed to want. Guide to modern storytelling and all that stuff. And it reinvented stuff. And I think Gorilla did the same, actually, in its period. I don't think we've seen an ad like that in a while. I think the ads, I'm just going to put it out there and be slightly naughty. I think the ads that are going to win this year are just going to be ads. And they're going to be the sort of ads that we know and understand, not the sort of work that is going to move us on again. Um, I think that's kind of frustrating to me as a creative. I don't think TV has seen a revolution in a while. But I think everywhere else it's blossoming. I mean, you look at McWhopper, obviously. But what I love about that is there's no no bullshit around it. It's a PR idea. Yeah. And we're getting our heads around as an industry. Our relationship with the world, literally, in terms of you know, on that coal face of, of fame and culture, is perfect. I, and I think it's that should teach agencies everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that should teach agencies everything. I mean, that's literally one concept placed into market in one part in the world that's just gone rampant. It took a couple of years to get them to to say yes to it. There was yeah. a there was a lot of going back and forth for the for the YNR guys in New Zealand for that, but they managed to get it across and go global. I love this. So life paint took eighteen true. months. Yeah. Life paint took eighteen months. The Swedish number took two years. I think the best stuff does take that time because it feels like the newest risk. And I think that's a theme in our industry. To live with it. Enough. Yeah. I think that's interesting as well, back to your point about the longevity yeah. and short-termism. I mean, we all know those ideas. You have to sit with them for a while with you and the client. It yeah. just takes the right time for it suddenly to lift up. And you can't do that if you've got marketing directors who are going in and out in 18 months and agency mm. people who are doing the same. It just doesn't happen. I mean, that's that's a big True. thing, isn't it? The kind of the, the tenure of a CMO or a marketing director is getting ever shorter and there's ever more pressure inside businesses mm. for sort of the direct return, which, yeah. you know, if, if, an, if an idea is going to take two years to even kind of think about and get across the line then yeah. it's much less likely well, to happen. true with the kind of um, that uh, ING thing for Amsterdam yeah. isn't it as well the last Rembrandt um, that you know again was another amazing thing really interesting that took two years as well didn't but it? again back to optimism you can look at that two ways right one is yeah. damn we can't build these long term ideas the other is if people are starting to develop a mindset where they're coming in for a short period and want to smash it you would love to believe they're more likely to take risks to get great work out. No, but I, I, so I'm kind of in that. You know, the reason clients call a pitch is they want new thinking and new energy. That's why pitching happens. And so, if you've got new marketing directors coming in and out, I would love to believe that they are filled with that sense. Does well, that seem to be the way that it plays out? Sometimes. Although I would say that most of those things where we've done our best bits of work actually yeah. have been the result of yeah, a solid relationship, which is a long-term one. But um, it has been about an ambitious, like, say, life paint came from. It has super ambitious, 
a pitch. You know, yeah. the, the original thinking came from how do we have, we've got this relationship with safety with the world, and how do we modernize that? It's a dusty relationship, and how do we make it not dusty? Mm. And that's where that came from. And I think they do come from a place of ambition, so I don't know, just trying to find some good Well, also, you partly kind of figure out, it's, as you say, it's not a choice of doing one or the other. You churn around your hard working, short term stuff, which is going to do the trading bit of it for you, and then you figure out. It's the other big stuff that's going to change the way people feel about the brand. And oh, there are other lessons stuff. in there. I mean, the more of this that gets out in the world, I'm hoping that some clients, hopefully, someone yeah, will be hearing what yeah, we're talking yeah. about, right? 1,700 emails, 18 months on life page, sold out in 24 hours. Globally famous. So you kind of go, okay, if there's enough of these case studies, the Swedish number and all those things, there should be an ambition to do that sort of work. And it should get quicker, so it should make us all better. More people coming in the door, certainly at our place, client-wise, asking for that kind of work yeah and which I guess is the big challenge that's what everyone everyone's on the same page that we want we want the industry to be better we want the work to be better the clients want the results to be better that's the that's the the optimistic yeah. win-win kind of scenario to, to land someone asked a great question to me is the thing i was talking about they said um, you're all right Nils that's awesome and obviously i appreciate the risk that you're talking about life pain i appreciate the risk that they took when they originally launched it how do you quantify that how do you measure the success of ideas like this I think that's the next question, which is if ad tech companies are going to do something half useful for people in our in our industry, one thing they could do is help us quantify cultural impact. They could help us do that in a way that's powerful for our clients. Because, you know, there's no doubt about it, LifePaint was hugely successful for Volvo. How that worked, how that shifted mindsets, it became... It would take a long time yeah. to play out. It's like a seven-year yeah. cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it sort of a, a one no. pound of investment equals no. a you know four point three back or whatever. And it's not equally. It's well, not, it's not in the short term. You know. I think you could do it easily actually over the long term, mm. but we'll have to wait another seven years to be able to show. Well, it. that's the thing, right? There's there's Sorry. no awards that so do a kind of ten year effectiveness the study. The IPA does. Is it ten years? You can do it. You can spin it that <laughs> way so if you deep. want to. Sorry, I'm <laughs> I so I'm like so yes, good. you can do it if you want to. Well, that. Credit where it's due, yeah. then that's you yeah. know because it, it's it's within a year a year ad cycle or Which a year cycle. How do you measure that? Stupid. Sorry, I shouldn't say that, but it is. It's just stupid um, because yeah. a lot of our work just works on different. different you know, you, your relationship with a brand grows over a generation. I mean, a lot of the brands I'm fond of are the ones I grew up with, and yeah. that's yeah. it's not over kind of minutes and months. It's over decades. Uh, I also so think there is a bit of a clash, right? So the worry with ideas like this is if you're going to dismiss it as a brand builder, you get these ideas of PR ideas, and they're just like little hot bits of mess. And, and actually, that's not true. Like the behaviors, they're the behaviors of a brand, right? They're how it acts, its body language. So, but goes, if McWhopper is one of those things, you can dismiss it as a PR idea. They do enough of that sort of work. It won't be oh, yeah. It'll be how they roll. It'll be what they that do. That'll be them. It becomes their tone but, and their voice yeah. and their Yeah. But that's yeah. that's tough to get investment in. Yeah. I guess that's a bit like um, Paddy Power in the UK mm-hmm. is yeah. like that, right? They're very sort of... Or was. Was very kind of quick fire, yeah. very deliberately yeah. kind of contentious, yeah. tactical, yeah. tactical yeah. stuff. But that, that became their, their brand message. It didn't yeah. need to but go It became deeper. a social commentator, didn't they? I mean, you know, and they didn't have a license to be, not really. Uh, but that was a shift. But it takes repeated behaviour, it takes properly shared ambition. To Lucy's point about cultural ambition, that client and the agency both went, okay, we're in for it. So every week there was a commentary on the same. So, yeah, it was as well. 
Well, I think um, there's a lot to a lot to kind of uh, wrap up for Cam, but I know you've both got busy schedules, so I will um, I will leave it there. And thank you so much for having a bit of time with me, and um, enjoy the rest of Cam. And uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you.